listening to She Rises, a podcast dedicated to women who are ready to stop settling and start living their lives by design. If you're ready to talk about the stuff that weighs you down and get practical advice on everything from your health, body image, spirituality, relationships, and personal growth, then you're in the right place. Hello, I'm Giovanna Capoza, your host, master coach, spiritual teacher, and mind-body expert, and I'm on a mission to unsettle women all over the world. Are you ready to rise? Do I have a show for you today? One of my absolute favorite relationship and love experts is in the house. Ariel Ford, author, speaker, and relationship expert, is here. I am so excited to have this conversation with her. I, I could have asked her probably five million questions. It's just so great to have her on the show today. And I'm excited that you guys get to hear her. So let me tell you a little bit about Ariel Ford. She has spent the past 30 years living and promoting consciousness through all forms of media. She is the author of the international bestseller, The Soulmate Secret, Manifest the Love of Your Life with the Law of Attraction, and her book, Turn Your Mate into Your Soulmate, offers a groundbreaking shift in perception, showing couples how to have a deeper and more fulfilling relationship. Her latest book is called Inspirations, Love and Design, Coloring the Divine Path to Manifesting Your Soulmate. I love it. It's such a great idea. It's one of the world's first transformational coloring books. And Ariel has been affectionately called the Cupid of Consciousness and the Fairy Godmother of Love. And let me tell you, I really do believe she is. She lives in La Jolla, California right now with her husband and her soulmate, Brian Hilliard, and their feline friends. Her website is soulmatesecret.com. And guys, make sure you get there after the show. There's a lot of free goodies there for you. And we'll have all this information in the show notes as well if you happen to be driving as you're listening to this. So why am I so excited to have Ariel on the show? Well, for really personal selfish reasons. <laughs> And also because I know you guys are absolutely going to love it. You know, relationships are this thing that we didn't get taught. You know, we didn't get the Relationship 101 book. We didn't get taught how to communicate effectively. You know, we sort of learned by example. And if you're anything like me, God bless my parents, but I did not have a good example of how to be in relationship, how to relate to, how to communicate and best yet, I had no example of how to problem solve in relationship. And so we aren't given these tools. And that's why I'm so excited that Arielle and other experts like her are out there for us to learn from. So I really hope you guys enjoy the show. And this show, just like all the other shows, but above all this show, there's going to be some questions. You know, there's going to be questions when we're done the show and you might want to dive deeper into some topics and we'll continue the conversation both in the show note comments that you'll see right at the bottom and in the Facebook She Rises Tribe which is the Facebook group. So go ahead on to Facebook, um, type in the search, She Rises Tribe, and get added to the group because we'll continue the conversation after the show there. And I really want to hear from you. I want to hear what impact this show had on you, what other burning relationship questions that you might have, and, and how it is that hearing this show really changed things for you. So go on over there after the show. In the meantime, sit back, relax and enjoy the show. I cannot wait for you to hear Ariel on the show. Hello, Ariel. Welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you as a guest on She Rises today. 
Thank you. It's good to be here. Yeah, I am beyond excited for, you know, personal and selfish reasons to have you here, but also because I know that my listeners are going to get so much from, you know, this topic of relationship and and not, you know, just how to find your mate, which I, I know you have that amazing book that walks us through the steps of how to manifest our perfect soulmate. But the more important question is, how do you keep them and how do you keep your wits about you while you're in relationship? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm I'm really excited to dive into that topic. One of the things that really resonated with me, like immediately the first, I think it's like the first page or the first chapter of your book, when you say you turned around, you were 43, you went to like, you know, squeeze your cat in the morning, which I do every morning. And you realized that you forgot to get married. <laughs> and I wonder if you can walk us through the the journey of having that realization you know, you, you found your, your mate, you found Brian, and and then how did the awareness of, oh crap, this is not as easy as I thought, start coming about for you? Sure. Um, well, that's exactly what happened. I woke up really early one morning, and as I was feeling around the bed searching for my 25-pound Maine Coon cat, <laughs> I became aware of this very empty bed, and you know, really, like, what happened? How did I get to be 43 and never married? And I quickly realized I had spent all my amazing manifesting powers and my time and my energy building my business and hadn't really put much attention on anything else. So I decided to see if all the prayers and processes and rituals I had used to manifest other things would work on my love life. And to make a super long story short, The answer is yes, worked brilliantly, and within six months, um, I met Brian. On the day that we met, we both knew. Everybody who was in the room with us knew. Three weeks later, we got engaged, and a year later, we had three weddings, and tomorrow is our 19th anniversary. Oh, how beautiful. Happy anniversary. (laughs) Thank you. Yes. Perfect timing for the show. So I, I would imagine, and you know, I, I've heard you speak, and I've been reading so much of what you write and share, and and this, I would imagine this happens for a lot of the listeners. It's like you have the the honeymoon period, and it's and it's great, and it's beautiful, and then reality sets in. Yeah, well, that's pretty much what happened. I quickly discovered that I didn't have any partnership skills at all. What I really excelled at was being the boss, which doesn't really work when you marry an alpha masculine male who doesn't like being bossed around. And I saw that, you know, really manifesting the soulmate was the easy part, but learning how to live with him was a skill I didn't have. I was really clueless. So it was at that point that I committed myself to becoming a student of love and figuring it out because I realized, you know, even with a college degree, nobody had given me the Relationship 101 course. And certainly I hadn't grown up, you know, witnessing that in my very typical middle class dysfunctional family. So that was sort of the beginning of the process. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you pinned on something so great there is we we don't get taught how to relate or even how to communicate sometimes. And, and often we've come from role models and examples. I did too, where God bless my parents, they just had a horrible relationship. And so when you grow up seeing that, you don't have the necessary skills. So I wonder if you can share with us, you know, some of the the common things, the threads that you saw coming up for you and Brian, and how it is that you 
um, navigated through them. Yeah, well, one of the very first things that came up was very often he would say to me, you're not listening to me. And even though I was able to parrot back to him what he had just said, the truth was I wasn't listening to him. And what we saw was that, you know, he's a youngest child and his core wound, the thing he needs most in life is to be heard. And I'm an oldest child and I uh, am a terrible listener. That's probably my worst quality. I don't listen well. I'm much more interested in the thoughts in my head than in what anybody else is saying. So we had to, you know, quickly navigate that one because I realized if I didn't learn how to listen to him, somebody else would. And it was probably the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And even now, having known him 20 years, I still often have to force myself to listen in the way that I know is proper to listen, which is to turn your body towards the person who's speaking, look them in the eyes and actively listen. And if you don't really understand what they're saying, then you need to repeat back to them. Well, I think this is what I heard you say. Is that right? And is there more? And you know, what I share in Turn Your Mate Into Your Soulmate is actually entire scripts on how to have proper communication, whether it's an easy one or a hard one, how to talk to each other in a really loving, kind, compassionate, meaningful way. Yeah, I love that. And I love that you provide that. There's there's so much greatness and, you know, meat and potatoes in this book and really like practical stuff. Um, so I want to encourage anyone that's listening, if you have not picked this up, definitely pick it up. It's by my bedside. Um, it's become my new Bible as of late. <laughs> and uh, what I heard you say there also is is kind of really recognizing and owning your stuff, right? I, I heard someone once say a long time ago, like, you could either be right or you could be in the relationship. <laughs> right. Or you could be loved. Do you want to be right or do you want to be loved? Yeah. Because um, being right is not going to get you what you want, you know, which means, you know, like I, I'm a writer. Words are incredibly important to me. Words have meaning and, and they have proper pronunciation and they have definitions. And Brian speaks his own version of English and he mashes up words together. And I used to try and correct him all the time. And he finally stopped me. He said, you really do understand what I'm saying. And I'm never going to say it absolutely correctly. So you need to stop correcting me. You know, and I, and I was so glad that he is that blatantly honest, although he said it in a much kinder, gentler way than I just delivered it, because that's just how he is. So there are things that come up like that that are what I want everybody to hear is that it's normal, it's absolutely normal to have differences. And in fact, Dr. John Gottman, who is the world's leading researcher on marriage, has discovered that every couple has a minimum of nine irreconcilable differences. These are things on which you are never, ever going to agree. So it could be something like, and these are the typical ones, one person's a spender, one's a saver. One has a quick temper and then lets go of things. The other person suppresses emotions and never really tells the full truth. You know, one person wants sex every day. The other one wants it once a month. You know, somebody wants to spend every holiday with relatives. The other person is allergic to family. This is just normal stuff. And it doesn't mean that you're not soulmates and it doesn't mean that you're not meant to be together. But what it does mean is that you have to have creative solutions. 
which are different from compromising. In compromising, everybody agrees to lose something. But in a creative solution, you can actually come up with a win-win scenario so that everybody feels good. I love that. I'm a, I'm a student of The Course in Miracles, and in The Course in Miracles, it says that, you know, relationships are the, the laboratory of the Holy Spirit, right? Or for those yeah. of you listening, spirit, if that makes, you know, more comfortable for you. But I love that because what it says is that not only do we not have to go life through life alone, but that we can have this, you know, match, this soulmate in our life that not only helps us grow and improve as a person, but really helps to create that vibration of love that we can send out there. So it's really a co-creative process and it really does involve looking at all your, your ugly bits, right? Yeah. And you know, I also love A Course in Miracles. And one of my favorite lines in the course is that the only thing that can be lacking in any situation is that which you are not given. Mm. Because the truth is a good relationship is all about personal responsibility so if what you're experiencing is not enough love, then it's you that aren't giving enough love. You know, if what your experiences lack of any way, there's some lack on your end. So I think the course is, is a great template if you can get through the language. Right. <laughs> or even better, use Marianne Williamson as your interpreter of the course, which is what I've always done. Absolutely. There's so much wisdom and genius there that never ceases to amaze me. Absolutely. And, and you know, I, I, I saw a lot of that and I felt a lot of that even in your writing. Um, and it's, yeah, beautiful to hear that, that you've also studied that. So for people that are listening, that are thinking, you know, I don't even know, I'm, I'm always, and this kind of bleeds into whatever is missing is what you're not bringing. And, and I used to do this. I used to say, well, you know, I keep attracting all these emotionally, un uh, emotionally unavailable men. And I had all these complaints. And then I had to sit down and say, oh, great. I'm the one that's emotionally unavailable. Right. I'm Me the one that, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I kept getting people that were commitment phobic until the day I realized, oh, the problem's over here with me. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, what would you say to someone that's listening and, and is thinking, well, like, I don't know. I don't know if there is anyone out there for me. Like, I haven't had great experience. I... You know, I keep attracting losers or I keep attracting people that are not a soulmate fit. Yeah. You know, the only thing that keeps us from having all the love that we desire is our own limiting beliefs. And my amazing friend, the late, great Wayne Dyer, always used to say, don't believe every thought that you have. So you may have the thought, I'm too old, I'm too fat, I'm too damaged, all the good ones are taken, I'm a loser in love, the one that was got away. You know, you can hold on to those thoughts and beliefs about why you don't have love in your life. And the only thing you're going to get to be is right 100% of the time, you know. And what you need to do is to be willing to... Give up those thoughts and beliefs. Now, I know that the monkey mind isn't going to give them all up all of a sudden and they're never, you know, they're going to go away forever. That doesn't happen. But what can happen is if you're willing to be a mature adult, you can begin to manage your thoughts and feelings and emotions. So when you do have a negative thought, stop yourself. Notice what thought you have. 
say to yourself, cancel, cancel, and then insert a more positive thought. And um, I've recently gotten to be friends with a guy named Mike Dooley, who I think is amazing. He's just incredible. And Mike says that you can have all the negative thoughts that you want, but every time you have a positive thought, it it outweighs the negative thoughts by 10,000 times. So if you just let your your monkey mind go wild all day like you've been doing, but you insert 10 positive thoughts a day, you're almost canceling out the mess you're making. I love that. I love that. I it's one of the, one of the quotes I repeat all the time is something my first spiritual mentor said to me and she said, "Be the guardian on the doorway to your mind cuz that's the place where things get creative." And you have this great tool that you that you speak about and that you teach about, which is this living as if. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. And before we go, make sure I talk to you about feelingizations. Okay. So, so course, uh, law, law of Attraction 101 states that we draw to us the people, places, and experiences that match our state of being. So if your state of being is, I'm loved, I'm lovable, I'm lucky in love, you'll experience that most of the time. If your state of being is, I'm a loser in love, love is for other people, not for me, it's never going to happen, that will also be your experience. So living as if is all about having your daily actions match up with your belief. So if your belief is, my soulmate is out there, we're already connected on the inner plane, and any moment we're going to meet in the real 3D world, then the actions that you would take would reflect that. And it might look like um, you've stopped wearing a nasty old shredded t-shirt to bed and you've bought some beautiful lingerie. You have cleared the clutter out of your house and you've made room to have somebody else in your life. Uh, You're buying tickets to concerts and plays coming up in the future, anticipating taking them with you. When somebody sends you a formal invitation with an RSVP card, you send the card back with a plus one. Okay, those are all right that are living as if you're knowing and trusting that the one you've asked for is already yours and your actions are informative of that. Other areas would be, let's say you've been having mindless drive-by sex with your ex or the guy who lives upstairs or whatever, somebody that you know is absolutely not your soulmate. So if you're living as if, and knowing and trusting that on the heart level you're already connected to your beloved, would you still really be having casual sex with someone who's not your soulmate? Good point. (laughs) These aren't rules. They're just suggested ways of being. You know, so when you're living as if, just notice what your actions are. You know, when you walk out the door, are you taking a moment to look into the mirror just to make sure you look presentable in case the guy standing behind you in Starbucks is really hot? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's it it does. It kind of sounds so simple, but it really is that simple is having that. And, you know, I can remember the times where. I said, you know, okay, universe, I am ready to get into relationship right now. And I did. I started doing all these little things. And I didn't even realize at the time that I was doing them that it was a thing, right? I didn't even realize it. But I was doing it. And once, you know, I read your book and 
realized, oh, wow, like I get that. I have an experience of that. And it actually does work because even if you don't have the belief, it starts to create the belief. Exactly. Yeah. And you, you mentioned feelings, feelingization. Yeah. So one of the, I, what I would call my secret sauce to manifesting is something I've coined, a word that I made up called a feelingization. So most people have heard of visualizations. And visualizations are when you make up pretty pictures in your mind of something that you want. So let's say you want a brand new BMW convertible that's blue with leather interior and a wood steering wheel. And you visualize yourself driving down the freeway in this exact car. And maybe you're even imagining what it smells like and what you look like in the car. But on an internal emotional level, your thoughts and your feelings are, I can't afford it. It will never happen. This is just a pipe dream. So those feelings wipe out all possibility of the pretty pictures in your mind. So what I've done is I, I created these guided, you could call them meditations, where I take people from their head to their heart. We drop into the heart. We in present moment experience feelings of love, appreciation, and gratitude as if we were re-experiencing something that happened in the past right now. So let's say that it's love. You're having this remembered re-experiencing of love on a deeply feeling state. And once we're in this state, what the heart math people call heart coherence, once we're in heart coherence, then we drop in our deepest desires and with our imagination and our feelings, know that they are happening right now in this moment on the unseen plane. Mm. So that's a feelingization. And I've got several dozen of them on my website that I give away for free for anybody who wants to try it. They just need to go to soulmatesecret.com. And there's a tab called free stuff. Just click on free stuff and you can access them. Yeah, it's the greatest tab ever for everyone listening. <laughs> go, go, go check it out. Um, so, you know, I want to take us forward because we, we've, we've bounced around a little bit and we're, we were in this sort of state of mind and the manifestation. I love that feelingization because that is what creates, you know, the drawing to you is aligning with that vibration, but that can be done only done through your feelings. So I love that. And I want to move forward into, okay, I got my soulmate. You know, I'm in this relationship. He felt like my soulmate a year ago or 20 years ago. And now, not so much. Now I'm questioning the relationship. Now I don't have any feelings. I don't feel in love anymore. Yeah. What so that's, uh, first I want you to know that's totally normal. And let's start with what love is. Let's define what love is. Because so many people think that love is just a feeling. I know that I love you because I feel this sensation of love. When you're in the state of being in love, your brain is busy cascading just waves of dopamine and adrenaline and oxytocin and other things I can't even pronounce. <laughs> and you're in a chemically induced state that I call the socially acceptable form of insanity. And you only get to be in this state for a short amount of time. On average, it lasts 6 to 18 months, and then it disappears. It's nature's trick to get us to hook up and, and procreate and have kids, and then it goes away. So what love really is, yes, some of that is those feelings, 
But more importantly, real mature adult love is behavior. It's a practice. It's a decision. It's a choice. It's an action. It's a doing. It's a being. So there will be days when you hate your soulmate, when you can't find the feeling of love anywhere. And it doesn't mean that you don't love them, but it does mean that you're going to choose to act lovingly in spite of whatever appears to be pissing you off. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. I mean, I love that love as a decision. And to me, that feels really emotionally intelligent and emotionally mature to, to view love that way as a decision and a series of choices as opposed to some chemically, you know, induced reaction. But it's really important to know that the feelings come and go. And so you can't make decisions based on those feelings. Now, there are exceptions. If you're in a relationship where there's abuse or addiction or really bad behavior, then don't read my book. Pick up the phone, get a referral for a good psychologist or a really good relationship coach, and get professional help, okay? Because you cannot handle that by yourself. But for the most common people in relationship, there are going to be days when they drive you crazy. And part of that is that, well, this is how Harville Hendricks puts it. Oprah Oprah calls Harville Hendricks the marriage whisperer. He's another great, amazing, amazing, right? (laughs) So so Harville, I asked him in one of the interviews I did with him once, it's like, Harville, how do you know when you're in the right relationship? And when he got done laughing, and he laughed (laughs) quite a while, he said to me, you're in the right relationship when it starts off as a dream come true and then devolves into your worst nightmare. (laughs) That is my favorite of his quotes. I love that. Mine too. And what he meant by that is that, that he and Helen believe that the true purpose of marriage, the true purpose of taking sacred vows is that it, it then kicks up all your childhood wounds that when you're with your soulmate, you're in the safe container to heal the deepest wounds that were inflicted by whoever your caregivers were as a child, and that you're in this together, that you're in this safe space to have these feelings and incidents come up for healing. And the other interesting thing he said about this is that you could be in a long-term committed relationship, and things could be going well for 10 or 20 years. And none of this is going to happen. He said, until you take sacred vows, this process, this part of the soulmate relationship doesn't come up for healing. And he says that that's why you can see people who live together happily for a long time. Then they get married and seven months later, they're getting divorced because they weren't in the fullness of the relationship. I wonder if you could say a little more about that. Like, I mean, I've just from a personal perspective, I've been in soulmate relationships because we know we can have many soulmates. I have beautiful girlfriends that are soulmates of mine, too, and family. Um, And I've been in soulmate romantic relationships where a lot of my childhood stuff gets kicked up and brought to the surface. And that's interesting because I've also read uh, and heard him say that about there's a there's a whole other quality which kind of, I'm going to be honest, Ariel, scares the crap out of me. There's a, there's a whole other level when you take vows. So I wonder if you can share a little more. There isn't any research on this. So, I, you know, when I've talked to Harville about it, he speculates that the reason why the deepest stuff doesn't come up 
unless you're married or have taken vows, is because when you're just living with somebody, the primitive part of your brain knows that either one of you could leave at any Mm -hmm. time. So you're not in the fullest form of safety. And as Maslow proved, our number one human need is safety. So while, yes, it's true, I also had been in prior relationships where childhood stuff came up. It was a whole new level once I got married. And it's not like it's there every day. It's not like there's this, oh, my God, now I'm married. Life's going to be miserable. (laughs) It's just that when it does come up, it's kind of like a tsunami. But, you know, you can get through it faster, especially when you have two conscious people who have, you know, consciously chosen to be on the same team and to support each other through it. Like even now, 20 years later, the listening thing with Brian still comes up from time to time. And 50% of the time, he'll start to say, you're not listening to me. And then he'll start laughing and he'll go, oh yeah, that's my problem. And the other (laughs) percent of the time, you know, he'll just revert back to, you're not listening to me. And I just say, you know what, you're right. I apologize. Let's start over. And because the truth is our core wounds for as much work as we do, for as much Course in Miracles as we read, for as many prayers, chanting, meditating we may do, the truth is we're never 100% healed. My poverty consciousness thing that I've been working on for 30 years, is it 90% better? Yes. Is it gone? Absolutely not. Only now I have a huge spiritual toolkit to use to instantly help myself through it when it does kick up, you know? So when I, when I do contract, it's like, Oh, you again. Okay. Let's tap through this or let's do a lock in or let's do a Sedona method thing, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. It's, it's, this is, I mean, life in general, but I mean, we can apply this to relationships. Of course it's developing a toolkit because your stuff is going to come up. They're going to annoy you or piss you off somehow. And it's, how are you going to choose to deal with it? Which brings me to I love you write about this in the book it's the the imperfection of perfect love and and it's you call it wabi-sabi love and I wonder if you can explain a little bit to the audience what you mean by that sure so wabi-sabi is an ancient Japanese aesthetic that honors all things old and worn imperfect and impermanent and it seeks to find beauty and perfection in imperfection so in the art world Let's say you had a big Ming vase that had a long crooked crack down the middle of it. The Japanese would take this broken vase, they would put it on a pedestal, and they would shine a spotlight on the crack, and they may even fill in the crack with some uh, 24 karat gold to accentuate the crack. Mm. That's what they call wabi-sabi. And in wabi-sabi love, we seek to find the beauty and perfection in our own imperfections, and particularly in those of our mate. And so there's lots of ways to do that. I'm going to tell you one short story that explains it all. So I have these friends, Jerry and Diane. I'm sure you know who they are. Jerry Jampolsky and Diane Serencioni. They are Course in Miracles teachers. They're both shrinks. They're just absolutely brilliant. And they married later in life. Jerry is significantly older than Diane by maybe 25 years. And when they got married, Diane didn't know that Jerry had an addiction. (laughs) Jerry was and is addicted to poppy seed bagels. And every single morning, he gets up before Diane, and he goes into the kitchen, and he slices a 
poppy seed bagel, which instantly sends hundreds, if not thousands, of little black seeds all over her white tile floor. Later in the morning, Diane gets up, and every morning's the same. She gets some paper towels, wets them, and then gets on her hands and knees, and she wipes up all of the little black seeds. And most mornings, it's not a problem. It's just a habit. But on one morning, she was in a really bad mood, really grouchy mood, and as she was on her hands and knees wiping up the seeds, she had this thought, and the thought was, I wonder what has to happen so I never do this again. And that was followed by the thought, oh, that would mean Jerry's no longer with me. And she started to cry and she got off the floor and ran into the next room to give him a hug. And from that day on, every morning as she wipes up the seeds, her heart fills with love because these seeds now mean she has another day to spend with Jerry. I love that. Do you know, I, I've heard you tell that story before and it, it chokes me up every time. Like I get teary eyed because that's it. That's, that is Wabi Sabi. Right. <laughs> and it looks like Jerry was the problem. You know, it looks like, well, Jerry, couldn't you slice the bagel over the sink or over the garbage can or blah, blah, blah. And the truth was, Jerry was not part of the solution. What Diane did was she had a shift in perception she made up a new story, a very empowering story. And, and Jerry, who um, just turned 94, 95, is still eating poppy <laughs> seed bowls, but now he's 100% blind. And Diane is still, she's in her 60s now, she's still wiping up the seeds after him, and she's grateful to do it. I love, love, love that story. And, you know, these are things, I mean, it, it could sound like a little thing, but these are things that start to get under people's skin and, and we start harboring resentment and we start harboring all these negative feelings. And you're right, it's it's the story we're making up. I mean, we're giving it meaning like, oh, he doesn't care or, you know, he doesn't have any respect for me or, I mean, we're meaning-making machines, right? We make all these meanings up and ultimately... You reminded me of like another course principle around uh, around relationship, which was you know assuming the, your your brother's innocence, right? Yeah, I absolutely love that. People react as if, oh my God, Brian woke up this morning and all he could think about was how to piss me off. Right, it never happened, you know. But we live like the person who's driving us crazy is doing it on purpose. And the truth is, they're waking up the same way we're waking up, which is, I hope I can be loved today for exactly who I am. Mm. Yeah, you know? I and, love that. And, you know, human beings have different... Let me tell you one other short story, which also does it. I was doing a wabi-sabi workshop in, in Sun Valley, Idaho, a few years ago. And this woman stood up and said, well, I've got a problem even you can't solve. And I was like, okay, what is it? And she said... <laughs> She said, my name's Stephanie, and I've been married to Garth for 16 years. And she said, I'm a perfectionist. I'm a neat neck. Everything has a place. And I think I like things clean and spotless all the time. And I love Garth, but he's a total slob. And everything's dirty and chaotic around him. She said, the thing that's keeping our marriage together right now is that he works out of state two weeks of every month. So while he's gone, the house is pristine and it's my house. It's exactly the way I want it. But within hours of him coming home, it's, you know, messy and dirty and chaotic again. So I asked her, I said, well, Stephanie, do you have a dog? 
And she said, yes. I said, does your dog shed? Yes. Well, what do you do when the dog sheds? She said, oh, I vacuum up after him. And I said, well, do you love your dog? And she got really quiet. And then she went, oh, my God, Garth sheds. (laughs) And she really got that just like the dog can't help shedding, Garth can't help being a slob. So, you know, I thought, well, great, this is a nice aha moment. But when I was writing Turn Your Mate Into Your Soulmate, I knew I had to find her to see if anything had really changed. It had been like a year later. And I called the the promoter in Sun Valley and, you know, I said, oh, I had this woman, Stephanie, in my class and she was married to some guy named Garth. Do you have any idea who she is? I need her phone number. And they said, oh, yeah, we know exactly who she is, you know, and they gave me her phone number. So I called her and I and I said, I said, I'm just calling to say hi and check in, wondering how things are going for you and Garth. She said, oh, my God, I'm so glad you called. Things have never been better. In fact, things are so good. He quit his job and started a home-based business so we can be together 24-7. And before you even ask, yes, he's still a slob. I I love it. And she's obviously dealing with it very differently now. (laughs) Yeah, no, because she realized that, you know, just like she can't help being a perfectionist, he can't help being a slob. And it's not a reason not to love him. I love that. Great story. Thanks for sharing that. I um I wonder if you could help the audience with with one question that I have found I get asked more and more and more, especially in the last few months. Out of all the articles that I've written or blog posts I've written on relationships and my own experiences, this one particular blog post has gotten the most attention, and I think I get an email at least once or twice a week about it. And it's this, you know, I'm going to call it the disease of emotionally shutting down in a relationship. So you're with a partner and either you're emotionally shutting down or they're emotionally shutting down. And how would you deal with that? Wow, that's a, that's a big question. You know, it's not an area I have a ton of experience in because I'm not a therapist or a coach. Um, I know for men that they they need to go into their cave. And when they're in their cave, the last thing you want to do is follow them into the cave. You just need them let to be there as long as they need to be. I also know, as a student of John Gray's, that you never, ever want to ask a man how he's feeling about Mm -hmm. anything. You want to ask him what he's thinking, and then you want to respect his thoughts. You know, and women are very different. They're very emotional and they do shut down. And usually they're shutting down because they have unexpressed anger and they don't know how to deal with it. You know, so I would say if anybody's in a a really rigid, stuck spot, that they should get professional counseling. You know, when you're dealing with people's emotions, we know that there's emotions and anger under the emotions and anger. And you want somebody who's highly qualified to work through it because I don't believe there's a, a one fix to draw somebody out. Um, yeah, I agree with that. I, I do agree with that. And you're right. Yeah. If it's that severe, those of you that are listening, those of you listening that have written to me or that have read that article and have wondered and they're in stuck situations, you know, I often give the same advice that you gave Ariel and is seek the professional help. And, but I love that you brought that piece in about men and the cave, because I think as women, 
We forget that, you know, the masculine's greatest need is for, for peace and freedom. And we do our feminine thing and we're like, well, what's wrong? And let's talk about it. And we kind of peck at them. And which, really, which really suppresses their testosterone levels because one of the reasons they go into the cave is to regenerate testosterone and they need high testosterone levels to deal with stress. And the opposite of that is women need high levels of oxytocin to deal with stress. So what I try to do is tra train people to become what I call pleasure puppies. So for a woman to be a pleasure puppy, it means that she's making... Uh, pleasure, her number one priority every day. And it may only be five minutes or it may be 30 minutes because when a woman is getting pleasure, she's rebuilding oxytocin. And pleasure can be anything from getting a foot rub, a manicure, getting your hair done, going shopping. You don't even need to buy anything, having drinks with your girlfriends, laughing, dancing. All of those rebuild oxytocin. And for men to be a pleasure puppy, they need to rebuild testosterone. And the fastest, most efficient way to rebuild testosterone is to chop wood. But most urban men don't have that as an option. So other things they can do is to exercise. Even if they're at work and they go and they you know, run up and down the stairs a few times, that will rebuild testosterone. Going out for drinks with the guys, watching sports on TV, or participating in sports all rebuild testosterone. So I tell women that if your guy comes home after work and you can see that he's very stressed out, the number one worst thing you could do is say, how are you feeling? Okay, that won't get you anywhere. <laughs> the number one best thing you could do would be to hand him the remote control, lead him to his favorite chair, give him his favorite alcoholic beverage, and tell him to watch... ESPN for the next hour or whatever sports related thing or workout related thing he likes and leave him alone for an hour. Yeah, I love that you brought this into the conversation because it's so true as as um, energies, feminine and masculine, like we need different things to replenish ourselves. And if we're approaching our mate, like we would approach our girlfriends or or ourselves, we're not going to get the response that we desire. Well, not only will you not get the response, you've assumed the masculine role. Mm. Okay, so it's hard enough for successful women to drop back into their feminine after working all day because you need to be in your masculine energy to be effective at work. But if you want to be in a great relationship with a straight alpha male, then and you, you want him to be, you know, have the typical role, you need to know how to segue into your feminine energy. You know, so it's a process, and I know that there are people probably listening that are either gay or bi, and I know I'm not speaking to you, and I'm sorry, but that's <laughs> my area of expertise. My area of expertise is dealing with straight women. However, if you need someone to have a great gender conversation around dating with, I highly recommend my friend Ken, who uh, wrote a book called Deeper Dating, and he's he's a gay psychologist who has the gender thing down and his book is called Deeper Dating. I love that. Thank you for that resource. Yeah, that's amazing. And and also, you know, for the audience, often when we're talking and I've done other podcasts where I talk about masculine and feminine energy, it, it's, it's really gender, uh, it's irrespective of gender or sexual orientation. It's just the energy of feminine or the energy of masculine. So, but that's a great resource. Thank you for sharing that. 
So I wanted to touch on, uh, we're going to go back a little bit on this, the healing aspect of relationships and the healing aspects of love. And one of the things that you talk about in your book, which I absolutely love, is about the the magical power of three and, and the triad. Can you touch on that a little bit? Um, sure. So, and and I think I learned a lot of this in A Course in Miracles, but you know, if you really want a relationship to work, you need to invite God into the relationship, God, goddess, or universal power, whatever you call the divine, invite that force into the relationship. Because as you know, you can't sit in a chair with two legs, but you can sit on a tripod that has three. So I really believe that that's sort of the uh, magical missing link for a lot of relationship is to invite the divine into it, however that appears for you. Yeah, and however, you know, works for you and whatever your beliefs are. But I think that's really important as well because, you know, like I mentioned before in that quote about, you know, being a laboratory for spirit, I think that relationships, you know, have a really huge potential, in fact, the biggest potential on earth to really transform our stuff and to to raise vibration. I, you know, I was just in an intimacy workshop uh, in L.A. this past weekend and it really dawned on me how important relating and relationships and, and working through that is, not just for yourself and what it will do for you, but what it does as kind of a ripple effect in the world. Yeah, Brian, uh, my husband, has a really good uh, mathematical formula for this. He says that in typical arithmetic, 1 plus 1 equals 2. But in soulmate love, 1 plus 1 equals 11, and then your love blesses the world. I love that. That is beautiful. I'm going to quote Brian on that too. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Tell him I said that. <laughs> well. That's awesome. So I wanted to touch on your your newest uh, inspirations, your newest book. Mm-hmm. And I, I wonder if you can tell us a little about that. It's such a unique idea. Yeah, so it's called Love by Design, and it's a coloring book for manifesting a soulmate. And it's really the first transformational coloring book out there. The left-hand pages have uh, instructions, and the right-hand pages have illustrations to color in. Because when you're coloring, you're making a visual representation of the desires that you have for love. So there's a lot of magic and power and juice behind it. And they've also recently discovered that coloring is an oxytocin booster. So uh, it's a really fun way to go about manifesting a beloved. Just color your way to love. I love that. I'm definitely going to go out and grab that book. I I find uh, coloring so soothing, and that makes so much sense that you just added that about the oxytocin. I didn't know that, but it makes so much sense to me. Yeah, I color about an hour a day. I just love it. Oh, that's beautiful. And what a, and, and just to add to this whole feminine energy piece, like what a great way to put you in a creative kind of feminine space as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I love that. Wow, we are we're we're pretty much almost at time and I'm like I feel like I just blinked and we said hello. Um it, this is I could talk about this topic forever. I've been engrossed in the topic of relationships since, you know, I was probably yeah, 19. Um, and, you know, probably for good reason, because like I said at the beginning, I didn't have good role models and I was <laughs> trying to figure it out. So I could talk to you forever, for hours. Um, so I really appreciate you being here and, and sharing with us. I have one last question for you. What is the lesson that it has taken you the longest to learn? Oh, wow. I don't know that anybody's ever asked me that. Um, 
Probably listening. It's listen. I still struggle with listening. I tend I tend to be wrapped up in my own thoughts, and you know I've trained myself <laughs> to listen, but I still drift a lot. You know I can like my attention span isn't great, so I would say listening is still the thing that challenges me the most. Thank you for that. And you're still in this beautiful soulmate relationship. <laughs> so yeah. whatever your, your warts are to everyone listening, whatever your, the things you think that are, you know, imperfect, just like that crack in the vase, you can still find love. You can still find your soulmate and, and make it work. Right? Yep, it's true. Absolutely. Yeah, I love that. Thank you so much, Ariel, um, for the work that you do, for the material that you put out. Like I said, I have the the book by my bed, Turn Your Mate Into Your Soulmate. Those of you listening, if you haven't gotten it, get the book. It's awesome. Uh-huh. I, I thank you again for being here. Okay, thank you, Giovanna. If you're ready to take a massive step forward to up-level and find fulfillment in both your life and your relationships, then I want to invite you to apply for my six-month coaching program. There are only three spots left to work with me one-on-one on a weekly basis to radically transform your life and your relationships. Go to SheRisesPodcast.com and click on work with me from the menu above right now and fill out a very brief application and then follow the link through to book a time for us to speak and complete your application. I'm so looking forward to serving you powerfully and to hearing from you. Thank you so much for tuning in and keep rising everyone for books and resources related to today's episode make sure you head over to sherisespodcast.com and i'll see you there if you've enjoyed today's episode make sure you tune back in next week when i dive into more juicy topics to help make your life the best it can be and hey if you've enjoyed listening to the show and you love it head on over to itunes and leave me a rate and review and subscribe there to the show 